Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I am your host, Joanna. Let's get started. Hello everyone, I'm your host Joanna and welcome back to Bouncing Back, our personal resilience podcast. So for today's topic, we are going to talk about coping with job loss. Now job loss is something that affects so many people and on a daily basis and it can be a massive hindrance on our confidence and the fallout can be very stressful and anxiety inducing. But today I'll be joined by Veronica West to chat about some strategies for managing stress and building resilience. Based in Sweden now, Veronica is a passionate solution-focused psychologist who has worked primarily in the regional areas of Australia for the past 10 years and more recently in telehealth-based roles reaching clients all over Australia and New Zealand. Veronica has a particular passion for working with people experiencing significant life adjustments including trauma and job loss just to mention a few. Um, Hi Veronica, how are you today? Hello, I'm good thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, of course. It's my pleasure. Uh, Before we get into it, I'd love to ask if you could please introduce yourself with a bit more about who you are and what it is you do. Absolutely. So I'm Veronica. Uh, I'm a psychologist and I've been working in in Australia for the past 10 years, but I am originally from Sweden and then back in Europe for a little bit, Uh, but still working, technically speaking, in Australia, just telehealth based. So I have a little bit of a unique work situation. And I've worked a lot in in different organizations and and privately as well. So I've had a very interesting background working with a very wide range of clients. Beautiful. I think working in Sweden sounds amazing or well being based in Sweden. So that's super cool. Um, Now, solution-focused psychology, can you tell me a bit more about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So with solution-focused, I think there's a little bit of a misconception sometimes that you come to therapy and we're going to dig into your traumas and we're going to talk about everything that your parents did wrong. And so some people find that a little bit challenging. And I, of course, work sometimes with, with uh, previous experiences, but I like to work a little bit more towards solutions rather than problems. So we talk a lot about what is your experience right now and how can we find solutions and build some positive coping skills and strategies to um, help you moving forward rather than sort of just dwelling on the past. Yeah, for sure. And did you know that this was kind of the approach you always wanted to take um, working as a psychologist? I think probably I was more towards the solution focused, but I guess going through training, going through your early years as a psychologist, you get exposed to a lot of different things. Um, but I was very early on in the role where we worked a lot with brief intervention, which means that we're just not going to have the time to focus on that. Um, and I got a chance to see that really uh, we get a lot done when we focus on the future still and then the here and now. So that really solidified it for me that that, that is more of the focus that I want to work with. 
Yeah, amazing. Well, I'd love to get to know you more in a section we call Have You Met Veronica? So I'll just ask you some little personal questions. Uh, so my first one for you is, do you have a favourite book or anything that you're reading at the moment? Um, yes, I have recently reread uh, The Body Keeps the Score. I'm definitely not a fiction-based reader. I love anything that is based on learning and um, on experiences. So there's a wonderful book on, on trauma, very heavy topic, of course, um, but it's a really great book and, and quite towards the, you know, finding solutions for people there. So that's, that's a great book. Yeah, for sure. What made you want to reread it? Um, just, I think it's one of those things where, you know, some of those books are so content heavy still. So you read it once, you get a few tips and ideas, you get some inspiration and then often you have to come back and reread it to to get the really juicy stuff. Yeah, for sure. I don't read too much um, like nonfiction myself, but um, I think that sounds like a really great read. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, my next one for you is about movies. Do you have like a favorite movie? Uh, my husband can uh, be a testament to this, but I, I don't really watch movies so much. I don't really have the attention span for the hour. I yeah. love TV shows, so I'm the type of person that just re-watches TV shows again and again. Uh, so lots of favorite shows, movies, not so much. I did watch one recently, I think it was with Paul Rudd, uh, The Fundamentals of Caring. That was a great oh, one. Oh, yeah. Really light, lighthearted and, and sort of, um, yeah, really good movie. Yeah, that's a super sweet movie. Um, yeah. I'd love to ask what your favorite show is then. Got heaps, but I I love comedy. So just anything that is sort of light and easy, um, you know, like your obviously the the classics like Friends, but New Girl, yeah. uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, anything that's a little bit just silly and lighthearted is is definitely a favorite. Yeah, for sure. I love Friends. Definitely a really yeah. good one. <laughs> um, perfect. So, do you listen to podcasts at all, or have any recommendations for us? I do listen to podcasts. I definitely, I'm in a little bit of an area right now where I'm just loving learning a bit about personal finance. Uh, yeah. so, I watch, so I listen a bit to that. There is another favorite one of mine. It is a Swedish podcast, so unfortunately probably not a great tip, um, but it's called Dystopia. And she basically goes through all the possible things that could go wrong in the world, but then they talk about wow. how we can stay away from getting there. So it's, again, kind of, Heavy topic, but a little bit more future focused. That's actually a really cool, like yeah, idea. Really <laughs> yeah, I've never it's actually heard one. of that. Yeah, no, is it no. in Swedish? It is. It is uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Um, would you like to share with us, like maybe one of the things that could go wrong, um, oh. in the world? Well, they talk about a lot of different things. One of my kind of key memories listening to that podcast though was that they did one on viruses and coronaviruses and they released it just a few months before COVID hit hard so that's obviously oh. a topic that that came out but it could be anything from you know super volcanoes to um water levels rising in the sea so again quite sort of significant heavy topics but um with a bit more of a positive spin on it than the doomsday kind of way of, of talking about it. Yeah, wow, that's super interesting. I hope there's like an English version out there. That would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, don't have to make one. <laughs> yeah, 
Perfect. Um, And my last one for you is I'd love to ask if you have a famous role model or anyone in your life that you find inspirational. Um, Yeah, I think I take a lot of inspiration from a lot of professionals out there. I mean, even uh, the the person that wrote the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, Dr. Ben uh, Cork is a great one. A psychiatrist that works a lot with trauma. Uh, got Russ Harris is a, another great one. Also, also someone that I find is quite lighthearted in his approach. So definitely some good role models in that space. Yeah, Russ Harris has been mentioned quite a bit on my show, so I feel like I should look into um, their work. I definitely haven't though yet. No, it's great and very wide spanning as well. But yeah, obviously, yeah, um, quite a quite a big role model I think in Australia for a lot of practitioners and and people in that space yeah for sure um well thank you for sharing all of those ones with us I'd love to jump into our interview now so my first question for you is why is resilience important in our life it's a good question and I think resilience I mean really what resilience is is the ability to withstand stress withstand difficult experiences and bounce back from them and so really in the day-to-day life we're going to be faced with all kinds of different situations and we might have some control over what happens but there's also a lot of things that are outside of our control things like job loss or losing a family member um, health concerns and so on so we need to have that mental capacity and then resilience to bounce back when things like that happen um, and instead of really letting it knock us down yeah, for sure. And do you think that resilience means being immune to those stresses and adversity? No, I think quite the opposite, actually. We're not really going to see resilience if we aren't faced with adversity. So mm. resilience is a direct response to that. So we, uh, it's not being immune to it at all. It's actually just being able to cope with it, roll with it and yeah, get back on track. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think the connection is between resilience resilience and job loss? Um, I think there's a really, really big connection there because, again, um, job loss is devastating. Um, even sometimes when we choose to leave a job, that can have a huge impact on our mental health and, and the way we see ourselves. But if it's job loss that is unexpected uh, or not chosen, we really need to have that capacity and that resilience to find that confidence again to find that motivation and energy to really get back into things yeah for sure and what are some of the most common causes for job loss you mentioned sometimes people leave voluntarily of course I I think that that's a big one of course sometimes we just realize that this job is not for me um I think as a result of and coming out of the worst of this sort of COVID pandemic that was also something that we saw a lot of people changing roles or realizing that actually this is not the space for me. Um, but of course, I mean, redundancies, um, something that we're experiencing a lot right now is the due to economic factors, companies are having to cut down on staff or, or changing the, the way they work. And sometimes people just have to be let go for no reason other than that they just can't sustain that level of, um, of cost. And of course, there's also job loss that happens for other reasons. So, you know, injury, health related where we just can't stay in a job um, in the same capacity that we have. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really important to reassure people that job loss is something that's common and a lot of people go through it. So what are some of like the common things people might feel during this time? 
Absolutely. And I think you're so right that it is, it's, it's a devastating thing, but it is common and it's very rarely the result of you as a person. It is circumstances, situations that we can't control. But in saying that, um, certainly grief is a big one. So grieving the loss of, of the job, um, social connections at work, yeah, the tight, you know, title or, or sort of what you see as your identity as part of that job can be uh, a big part to grieve. Obviously, other emotions like sadness, uh, anger can be quite common and certainly anxiety and stress about the future, very common things that, that I tend to see. Yeah, for sure. And what are some of maybe like the deeper impacts that this can have on people um, if we're talking about mental health, for instance? On a, on a surface level, obviously, confidence and, and stress is going to take a bit of a hit, but it can certainly lead to more um, chronic anxiety, depression in some instances. Uh, sometimes it can be incredibly traumatizing to lose a job. So it can have very, very significant impact on, on mental health. Yeah. And if you face like an unexpected job loss, how do you recommend people could sort of like reframe their mindset to see this challenge as a chance for positive growth? Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, again, always remember that, you know, things happen. It's not you as a person. It is often the circumstances. I think sometimes we just need to take that mental step back and go, I, <clears throat> I've done what I can in this area. I've done my job. Sometimes there's going to be situations outside of my control that happen. Um, but I think as well, it can be a great chance to really get a fresh start. And I think a lot of us maybe stay in jobs a little bit longer than we should because it's comfortable, because it gives security, of course. And so this is a perfect opportunity to go, what have I really liked? In my previous jobs or in my previous work environments, what have I disliked? What hasn't been so good? Um, and what are my kind of key skills, interests, hobbies, so that you can really get a chance to see instead of just going straight into the exact same thing, um, is there something that I can pivot towards that is going to really bring me some enjoyment and some value in my life? Yeah, for sure. And what are some strategies people can use to sort of um, do this sort of reflective um, type of work and constructive reflection? Yeah, I think um, in psychology, we work a lot with, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So there's some really good strategies in that space that can be helpful. We often talk about thought balancing or thought challenging, and it's really First and foremost, noticing some of those unhelpful thoughts that pop up for us, the, the self-blaming or, or, you know, the, the world's a, a shitty place or whatever the, the kind of thoughts are. And so we want to first and foremost notice those things, but it can be really helpful to even write them down. So to write it out, keep a bit of a journal. And uh, there's plenty of structured journals out there for CBT as well, if, it, if it's helpful. And then going through and doing a bit of that thought balancing and going, okay, hang on a moment. Is this actually this big catastrophe that I've made it out to be? Maybe there are some opportunities here. Maybe it's not so bad. Um, and also going, you know, is there another way I can look at this? What, what's the evidence for and against my thought right now? And often, particularly in the situation where job loss has been very sudden, we go into that catastrophizing mode and we start to see all the negative things that could happen. Um, generally speaking, they don't. Of course, it's incredibly stressful to be 
without a job at, at times, but there are more opportunities. So maybe we can start to kind of zoom out a little bit and see, we can still look at the negatives, but see the positives in it and see our strengths in it and start to then find a little bit more of a balanced view on that. And like I mentioned before, it can even be helpful to just take that step back and go, okay, you know, to, to rebuild my confidence, maybe I can sit down and write a list of all the things that I think I can bring to the workplace. You know, what are the things that I can really bring that bring value to a company? And it can be skills, it can be qualifications, it could be social interactions and then community. It can be a lot of different things, but a lot of the time I do recommend to my clients that are experiencing this to actually keep a bit of a journal, to write some of these things down, to get some lists together like this, because it can be very hard in the moment to think about when you get it down on paper, it's so much easier to reflect on and to see that, oh, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be, or maybe there are some other things there that I just haven't really absorbed and taken on. Yeah. And on the lines of like, this is really kind of hard to think about in the moment. What if someone's really struggling with what's just happened and they're really overwhelmed by the thoughts and the feelings and what's come from this experience? Should they reach out for help or what's the best way to cope cope with it if, you know, reflection is not something that they're in the right mindset to do? Absolutely. I think, you know, that there's a lot of things we can do by ourselves one of those things might be allowing ourselves to take a little bit of time to grieve. And I completely acknowledge that this is not going to be possible for everyone. You know, sometimes we live paycheck to paycheck and we can't just wait and take our time to find the next job. But whenever we can, I think it's important, even if it's a day to just take some time, reflect on it. If you can do things, if you can reach out to family and friends, do that. Absolutely. It can be really helpful to talk, get other people's experiences. But if you find yourself getting down into a bit of a slump and really, really struggling with mood or struggling with that sense of grief, I think definitely reach out because we don't have to go through huge amounts of depression or anxiety to qualify for going and seeing someone, whether it's a counselor, a psychologist or, or another service. Um, this is actually a great moment to to take that opportunity to do that little bit of work and get that bit of support because it can be really hard to pull yourself out of that that depth of sadness and grief when you've lost a job and particularly if it's a sudden experience. Yeah, and I think it's really great to be able to talk to your family and friends about this stuff because they might have gone through the same thing or they might be going through that as well so it could be just a really great way to relate to someone else as well absolutely i think that's it that's our greatest strength as, as a community that we can tap into other people's experiences and most people have either lost a job or had to leave a job suddenly because it just wasn't sustainable um they might have been fired because you know they they did something wrong so everyone has different experiences in that and so I think normalizing it is a really, really helpful tool, particularly for yourself to go, you know what, it's not just me. It, and again, it's not this big catastrophe. There's nothing wrong with me. This happens. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's so easy to get into this really negative mindset and let this one thing define you and your capabilities. And I don't know about like you and other people, but I've had experiences where like something will happen and it will affect how I see everything else related to that. And building a positive mindset is so important. Definitely. 
And you know what? It doesn't even have to be particularly positive. It just needs to be a little bit more balanced. So instead yeah. of being so focused on the negative, let's just take a little bit of the positive. And then even that alone yeah. can help us kind of move forward. We don't have to, because sometimes I get people like that and they go, well, I can't find any positives in this. And that's okay. You know, sometimes it is really, really devastating and traumatizing, but it doesn't mean that it's all bad still. It can be neutral as well. It can be, okay, this is an ideal, but you know what? I've got family and friends that can help me through this. I've got qualifications that mean I'm going to be able to find a new job. And so we don't even have to be overly positive about it. Yeah, that's great. And how do you help those people who are pretty negative about something and are struggling to find even a bit of positivity or balance in the situation? It's a good question. My favorite thing to ask a person that really sort of struggles with that is to really turn it around and go, okay, well, if your friend or your family member came to you with the same issue, what would you tell them? You know, what advice would you give them? What reassurance would you give them? Because often we're great at giving advice and seeing other people's strengths, but we're so bad at taking that on ourselves. So when we turn the question around, it can get a little bit easier because we're shifting the focus from us to just a person in general that has gone through this. And so then we can very quickly often pick up on some of those sort of neutral, more positive things. Yeah, I think that's a great one. I feel like a lot of people say that, like, what advice would you give to yourself? And when you actually think about it, you're like, well, I would actually tell that person to, you know, be a bit more positive or, you know, have a better sense of balance, but then you struggle to take that advice on yourself. So it's a good way to keep yourself accountable, I think. Absolutely. And that's it. I mean, again, same as, you know, we're probably when we go through this experience going to get a lot of um, validation and and support externally. But if we we turn that around internally as well, we can start to see it from a bit of a different angle. And that can just help to start that process. Yeah, for sure. And if we're talking about this idea of resilience now, do you think that people should jump back into another job straight after experiencing job loss? Would that be what resilience is in this case? Um, It can be. Absolutely, it can be, but I don't think it has to be. Uh, It's certainly not about getting back on the horse. It is more about, again, mentally, how do I get myself to a place where I feel ready to move forward? And that could be going straight back into work. It could be deciding that I'm going to take a month off because I've got some savings and I really want to take my time with this. Or it could be deciding that actually I don't want to go back to work at all. I want to go and study again. So I think it's more about looking at, again, solutions. What's my next step rather than necessarily going just straight into employment for the sake of employment. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really important. But for those people who maybe want to jump straight back into another job because that's what they want or that's what they're used to, do you have any advice for them just to make sure that, you know, the mental toll of having just lost a job doesn't catch up to them? Yeah, I think, again, that's probably taking a bit of time. So I think in some situations we're going to have to go straight back into work. We want to go straight back into work. And there really isn't a problem with that. I think some people just go, okay, I'm ready to close that chapter of my life. I'm ready to just step into something new. But I think self-care is the biggest one here. Allowing yourself to have a bit of time, maybe pulling back on some other responsibilities right now, if you can, if you are going straight back into a job, 
just to make sure that you have a bit of space around work to exercise, go to the gym, go and see friends, do things that are just enjoyable, relaxing so that you have space. And if then, which can certainly happen, thoughts or feelings come up a little bit later and that grief starts to bubble up, you have a bit more space to process it and don't necessarily feel like, okay, wow, I've got work and I've got this and I've got that and there's no space for me to deal with my health right now. So give yourself a bit of space. It could be an hour a day. It could be a month. It doesn't matter. It's more just taking in that time and, and allowing yourself to feel your feelings. Losing a job is hard. It is, you know, in a lot of instances, quite a, a traumatic experience. And so we do need time to process it. Yeah, I think that's some really great advice. And taking time is something that I feel like a lot of people, myself included, aren't really familiar with. Like our lives are so like fast paced now and we live in such a like a digital economy as well. So it's really hard to like be okay with this concept of just slowing down for a moment and just letting things have space to, you know, grow how they're supposed to. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. I think that's, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge for us in society today is actually to slow down uh, when everyone else or sort of society as a whole tells us that we should be doing X, Y, and Z. And it's okay. We, we need time to rest. We need time to, to do activities just because they're enjoyable or to do absolutely nothing. And there's absolutely not, nothing wrong with that either. We need a balance. Yeah, exactly. And what are some maybe like lesser known um, but effective strategies that people can use to reduce stress while they're navigating this period of time? Um, good question. There's definitely a lot of different types of techniques. I mean, I think first and foremost, there's some kind of key basics that I would suggest uh, when, when you've lost a job and you're going through it. One is to keep some form of a structure or routine. Because it's very easy to go from working and we get that kind of forced routine upon us. And then we lose that and maybe then we sleep in until midday and we don't really get up and do things. And again, if you need that time and you need a few days to do that, that's fine. But if that kind of continues on for a while, that's going to then be problematic to keep that motivation and momentum and energy up. So trying to keep a structure, trying to keep a routine, um, that social interaction. But then we have a lot of strategies that that can be helpful as well. One is a um, act-based one, which is you know a, a Russ Harris favorite, which yeah. is what we call diffusion. And so, I talked a little bit before about sort of challenging our thoughts. With diffusion, it taps into more of the mindfulness type of cell where we don't necessarily need to challenge or judge our thoughts. We just need to acknowledge them and give space for them and let them float on through. So that could be something as simple as when we're having some of those negative thoughts about ourselves or about the experience, just acknowledging that and saying to yourself, okay, I'm noticing myself being worried about what's next for me, or I'm noticing myself really getting down um, on myself about losing this job. And the point isn't necessarily to do anything with the thought other than to give it space and take a step back and look at the thought rather than just absorb it. A lot of the time we get stuck into just accepting our thoughts as absolute truths and as facts, but really they aren't facts. They're just words that we string together and give meaning. So yeah. diffusion strategies could be good space where we can practice a little bit of that distancing. Yeah, for sure. And you were talking a bit more about um, 
the sort of mindfulness side of things. Um, what role does like self-care play um, in these types of situations? Yeah, it, self-care is, is huge, I think. And, and mindfulness, I mean, mindfulness as a whole is a very kind of broad thing, um, but it is the ability to focus on the here and now. And so to to sort of when our mind float into rumination or worrying about the future, to just bring it gently back into the present moment and focusing on what we're doing. And self-care can be a great source of practicing mindfulness. We can practice mindfulness through basically anything. We can practice mindfulness while eating or while exercising or more formally with meditation or, or apps or, you know, YouTube clips. But with self-care, then it's about tuning into the here and now, whether it's exercising, whether it's going out and having a glass of wine with a friend or something else altogether, a hobby or interest, you are fully then focused on the here and now and the moment. So that's where we can really kind of cultivate and, and use that mindfulness with self-care to, to improve our health. Yeah, exactly. And mindfulness has been something that I've been trying, but I do know that it takes a lot of time, especially if it's not something you're used to or you've tried because bringing yourself back into the present, whether you're on your way to work or you're doing anything, like you said, can be really tricky. So do you think it's important to just be able to take your time to get to a point where mindfulness is effective for you? Yes. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where people either take to it really well straight away or they find that it's frustrating and, and they get a little bit um, annoyed with it. And that's fine. Sometimes mindfulness practice or, or sort of um, more structured mindfulness practice isn't going to be for everyone. But I do think that it is, like you said, it's something that's going to take a bit of time, particularly when we've been conditioned to go through everything so quickly and to rush to the next thing and to want the next thing slowing down and focusing on the here and now can be really difficult and challenging but I do think it's a good thing and we don't need to start with a lot of it I mean we don't have to sit down and meditate for 20-30 minutes on and certainly not it could be taking a minute and just slowing down sitting down focusing on our breathing or when we're sitting and eating and just really sort of tuning into what can I notice what was the, the sensations that I can kind of tap into here um, or if we're going uh, to work in the morning, you know, just taking a moment to notice the sounds around us, to notice what we can see, what we can hear. And of course, if we want to practice that a little bit more in a structured way, there's heaps of great apps and, and YouTube channels that, that you can tap into that teaches you those skills in a more structured way that you can then apply more generally in your life. Yeah, that's great. And there's so many resources online and I feel like YouTube's a really good one or like even a podcast on Spotify or something like that that you could follow. So how can listeners, you know, establish a sustainable self-care routine? I think it's um, starting with yourself and your life situation and because, of course, it's going to be very different from every, for everyone, whether you're at work, whether you have kids, whether you're, you're not single or have a relationship. And based on hobbies and interests. But one of the things that I would often recommend is take a few days and just write down anything that's in that day or in those few days that has made you feel energized, made you feel positive. And, and then also note down anything that's made you feel really drained or really low. And of course, there's going to be some things in that column that we can't, you know, remove completely. Sometimes that is work, sometimes that is commuting or 
financial stress. But when we start to kind of track that a little bit more, we can very quickly see if we're off balance with it. If we have too much on the drain list and not enough on the, on the energy list, then we certainly need to put a bit more time and effort into cultivating and understanding, you know, what, what's, what, what do these things do for me? Are there other interests, hobbies, experiences that I used to do or that I've thought about that I could implement a bit more of? And then try and sort of just slowly increase that while decreasing the one that um, is giving us that sense of drain or lacking energy. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, job loss can really take a big toll on us. Like you said, it could be really draining if that's something we're going through. And then when we're trying to, you know, do more things for self-care, our everyday routine could really, you know, take a hit and we might feel more drained than usual. But um, I think we also can face like, like identity crisis. So in these moments, how can listeners, you know, help rebuild their sense of worth and their purpose during this challenging time? Mm, it's a good question. And it's a little bit of a saddening one for me, I think, because while I completely understand that for a lot of us, our job is our identity, it shouldn't be the only thing that is our identity. It really should only be a small part of what we do. We can be incredibly proud of what we do, of course. But, you know, our identity is so much more. It's who we are as a partner, as a daughter, as a, uh, you know, as a husband or, or a child. It's it's so much more than just one area of our lives. And I think that when we lose a job, it's a good thing to kind of step back and go, okay, who am I in the different roles in my life? And who do I want to be um, moving forward as well in my work role? So looking to really, you know, tapping into those social supports, tapping into hobbies and interests and going, you know, maybe you have an interest that's a very big part of your identity. Maybe that can take a bit more space right now. Um, and of course, from a work perspective, we can take that step back and go, like I mentioned before, you know, what are the things that make me feel proud as a, as a worker? You know, what are the things that I bring to workplace and starting to really look at it and even writing down a list of, you know, what are the things that I'm good at and that I yeah. bring? Um, and from there, we can start to sort of rebuild that confidence a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And you said that, you know, identity is all about how you are as like a daughter or a mother or a sibling. On the lines of that, how can we sort of build our relationships and not let job loss take like strain them? Mm, I think um, biggest thing is communication. I mean, anything that has to do with relationships, communication is the key part. Because sometimes, and particularly, I mean, if you're in a, in a relationship, you've got a, a family, you're losing a job, you're losing that financial security is a big thing. And it can cause a lot of strain between partners, uh, particularly when, when one person is not working. Often though, what I tend to see is that it's more the strain on the person that's not working, feeling like they're not contributing. If you're in a good relationship, having a period of, of unemployment shouldn't be a massive deal you know we, we've all again we've all gone through some form of, of changes in our lives with jobs but if we can communicate and communicate about our feelings our goals um, and our values with whether it's our partners our family members our friends that's a really good first step to really be open about you know this is what I'm experiencing and again I, I completely acknowledge that that is not always easy for everyone not everyone finds that 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 is a space that they can really tap into 
Uh, but in that instance, maybe it can be then to get a little bit of professional help and, and support around that so that you feel like, you know, you have that space to talk about things so that it doesn't then cause strain in your relationships. Yeah. And what are some like specific strategies we can use to help cultivate better communication, you know, techniques or ways with our loved ones or, you know, people that are important in our lives? I think first and foremost, it's giving it time. So making sure that you have a a little bit of a structured approach to it. So maybe it is one uh, night at dinner, sitting down and talking about, hey, this is what's gone through. Uh, my mind today, this is what's been happening, these are my plans. And again, being open about it. Of course, communication styles and, and strategies can differ a little bit from person to person. But one thing that can be helpful is that if you're finding it hard to talk to family or friends, again, start with yourself. Start with, okay, what, what is the message that I want to get through to them? Um, what are the key points? If it's helpful, write it down. You know, there's nothing wrong with preparing for a conversation before you go into it. And then again, same thing there. Can we turn it around? You know, if I needed to, uh, or if, if someone needed to convey a message to me, how would I want to hear it? Um, what what would I want to kind of incorporate or, or feel like the other person's incorporating? So obviously things like love and respect and patience are things. So then we can look at that in terms of how do I then give that back to that other person and communicate with them in the same way. Yeah, for sure. I think communication is so like diverse as well and it can really be applied to a lot of things that we do like relationships, job loss. It can be so important. Now say that we've, you know, gone through this grieving process. We've identified strategies that are helping us, you know, go through this period of job loss and someone's decided that they're ready to, you know, get back on the horse and, you know, try and find a new job. What's the best way to sort of navigate this process in terms of like, keeping our resilience up and not letting it dwindle if we're facing a bit of rejection during this time as well? Mm, um, yeah, that's a good question. I think one of the biggest problems to start with the problem here yeah. is that sometimes we look at the big picture too much. So we go, okay, well, I need to find a job. And like, that's a big picture kind of thing. But if we actually take a step back, we can break that down. You know, there's a lot of steps in the uh, job searching and recruitment process and if we actually approach it step by step instead it can feel a lot more manageable so maybe we allocate a bit of time just to update our resume initially and to um, have a bit of a look on Seek or LinkedIn and then and move on from there in kind of smaller increments and of course yes I don't know anyone that enjoys looking for work and going to <laughs> interviews Everyone's yeah. going to feel nervous about it. There's going to be a bit of anxiety. But I think coming back to what we talked about before with balancing our thoughts, this is a perfect example where we can do that. Because if we go to an interview and we get rejected, yes, that that's hard. Absolutely. But hey, you got an interview. Like that's that's also very hard to do. And often the person that gets the job, okay, maybe they were more qualified. Maybe they had some experience or maybe they just had a bit of a different um, working style that clicked better with the team. We, we're so quick to attribute the faults and the problems to ourselves that we don't really think about the fact that this is a process. And so it's a little bit of a numbers game. Maybe the next interview, you get a job and someone else gets rejected. 
it's not about you. It's about just, you know, starting to put yourself out there and you will find something that, that suits you and, and where company sees your value. Yeah, I think that's a really great approach and it requires a lot of optimism as well. Um, so speaking on the lines of optimism and hope, do you have like an empowering takeaway or like a mantra people can carry with them to help keep up, you know, their resilience and uh, just go through this journey of job loss? Yeah, I think again, and then in terms of sort of a mantra, I think we can tap into our personal experiences there with or personal skills there. And so if we've identified key things, we might go with something like um, losing a job is hard, but, you know, I'm a skilled worker, I'm a hard worker and I will get a chance again. Something simple like that, or even just looking at it in the sense of, you know, life happens. It's hard to, to experience job loss, but I'm not alone. Other people experience this every day too. And I have people and skills and resources to tap into. So again, kind of tapping into the sense of community in, in the way we think again as well. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that positive reinforcement or even like constructive reinforcement for yourself is really good because sometimes sometimes there's nothing more like powerful than telling yourself that everything's going to be okay. I feel like other people can do that as well for you, but sometimes it's harder to believe unless you're saying that to yourself as well. Absolutely. I think that that's it. And it's so lovely. I think it's so lovely when friends and family try and reassure you and tell you how great you are. But yeah. if you're not ready to hear it quite just yet, it's not really going to make a huge difference. You really do have to internalize that. And that can take a little bit of time. And sometimes we don't completely buy into it fully yeah. either. And that's okay. But maybe there's parts of it that we can buy into. Maybe we don't feel like it's going to be all fine just yet, but we can go, well, you know, luckily I do have skills to fall back on. I do have resources to tap into. And so if I work hard on getting myself back in there, things will probably be okay. You know, we can chuck it probably in there. That's okay right now. And then work towards that things will be okay. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, that's so true. I feel like sometimes when our family or friends gives us a bit of reassurance, it just flies straight over our head because we haven't reached a stage where we're ready to accept that things are going to be okay and we actually believe it ourselves. So sometimes I don't know about like other people, but I've had times where people are giving me all this positive reinforcement, but it actually comes across as a bit frustrating to me because I'm unsure of how to see it the way they do. And it can be really disheartening as well if you're not able to process it in the same way. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point and maybe even something to take away on the other side of it. If you're a family member or if you're a partner of someone that has just just lost a job, um, definitely validate and reinforce positives for sure. But yet just kind of pushing that that message can be a little bit difficult as well if the other person's not ready to hear it. So sometimes people just need to have a space to vent and to go, you know what? Yeah, it really sucks. I hear you, that is really hard to go through. And instead of just going through the, you know, let's just chuck a lot of positives your way and go, how can we problem solve? Is there anything I can help you with right now? Can I sit down with you and we can look through your resume together? You let me know what you need. And so that we can be quite constructive on the other side of it if we are the person supporting um, the person that's just lost their job. Yeah, 100%. I feel like this 
episode is as much for the people going through job loss as it is for, you know, people supporting those people as well. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'd love to jump into our practices debrief section. So here I'm just going to ask you more about some personal approaches you take to this. So my first question for you is what is a practice that you would personally recommend to help cope with job loss? One that maybe you gravitate towards the most? Mm, yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I think I'm a little bit sort of split between and then again from person to person, but I am a little bit more practical in my orientation. So yeah. I do like more of the CBT space and, and more of those kind of thought balancing, um, keeping structure. We, we talk about things like behavioral experiments. So sometimes we need to also take a step into the, the, what, whatever we're doing next to start to see that it's going to be okay. So if we're really, really anxious about putting job applications out there, we can certainly then do the thought balancing and go, okay, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I get a no. Okay. Yes, that's not very nice, but it's not the end of the world. What's the best thing that could happen? I could get a job out of this. And that can be really helpful, but then we might need to take the next practical step and go, okay, well, if I, you know, start to apply for work. Yes, I might get some no's, I might get some no replies, but you can also start to get some feedback, probably some interviews. And as soon as you do that, the brain's going to have a little bit of an aha moment and go, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad as I made it out to be. Um, and then we can then do that practically and step into that and then take those little steps outside of our comfort zone. The easier it's going to be with managing stress, managing overwhelm and, and anxiety. So that, that space is something that I would definitely recommend. Um, I mentioned act-based therapy before as well, and, and mindfulness and diffusion are certainly tools that I think they're helpful everywhere, but it can be very helpful here as well, because if we're not really ready to see the positives in things, mindfulness is a better way to go because it's not about judging our thoughts. It's not about turning them around and finding the positives in them. It is about learning to accept that this is where we are here and now and then moving forward with that, you know, allowing thoughts to just come and go. Um, so it's definitely a tool that I would recommend for everyone. Yeah, those are some really great suggestions. And I'd like to ask what are some of the challenges that might come with um, these practices? I think some of the challenges are probably some of the things that we talked about before. If, if you've never done mindfulness, for example, before, starting when you're in a space of, of grief or um, sadness and, and frustration, it can be challenging, of course. It's another thing to add to your list. Um, and But in saying that, we can start in smaller increments and that could be a good way to get around it. Uh, with the, the CBT-based stuff, again, like I said, I'm more structural in that and I prefer that personally but I also know that some people don't like to just sit and write their thoughts down and so in that space that can be a little bit of a challenge or we can feel a little bit anxious about doing that and so there's some tweaks we can do with everything and, and again if all else fails and you feel like I don't have the resources and tools here this is a great opportunity to seek some of that additional support and, and just get a mental health professional to just sit down with you and look at your specific situation and go, these are the things that you could do more of that might already be working. Um, and these are some of the things that we can implement that, you know, maybe you don't have tools in this area. 
Yeah, and I feel like knowing when to reach out for help is really good as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And really, the sooner the better. Sometimes we wait a little bit too long and we, we really kind of dig ourselves a bit of a deeper hole there with there's nothing wrong with reaching out and maybe going and having one or two sessions with someone. You don't have to see them for, for 10, 20 sessions. It can be sometimes that we just need a little bit of support and help and, and touch up on some skills. So it's better to reach out than to not. And the earlier, the better just to get those tools in place. Yeah, exactly. And do you normally find that people should set up like a certain time to do mindfulness or how do they find the time to do this? Yeah, it's a good question. I think if you've never practiced mindfulness before, yes, definitely set it up in a bit more of a structured way. Uh, start with, and you can you can start with setting yourself a goal of just downloading an app and spending five minutes a day on this. So I think we're all very busy, but we're, everyone can find five minutes, even if it means getting up five minutes earlier in the morning just to have that little bit of time to yourself. Yeah. Um, and then once you've practiced that regularly, I don't think you need to have much of a structured practice. You can then start to tap into mindfulness in your everyday life. Yeah, amazing. And overall, how does this build our resilience and our perception in life? Well, I think, I mean, with, with all of these types of tools and skills, what it's about is it's about focusing on the now and what we can control. And there's going to be so many things in our lives that are outside of our control. And if we focus on that and focus on how unfair that is and how frustrating that is, it's, that's never going to get better because we, we just can't control those sort of things. So if we take a little bit of a step back and we look at our circle of control, then we're going to start to, again, build more confidence. We're going to start to feel like we have practical steps that we can take, which is a really big thing in this. We want to see that we're moving forward, even if it's not fast. We just want to see some progression and then we can start to kind of build on that from there. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, I'd love to get into our open mic section. So this is your chance to talk about just anything you're passionate about, or it could even be about today's topic, but the floor is yours. Thank you. Well, I think uh, one of the things that I see a lot and, and it relates to job loss, but it certainly doesn't have to be in in the space of job loss specifically, is knowing our value in employment. So I think for a lot of us, we have kind of got this attitude that if we get offered a job, we should be thankful and we should be grateful for that because, you know, we, we don't have a say in this. And of course, again, completely acknowledge that in some industries and in spaces and situations, we do have to accept jobs because they are there and they're going to provide finances. But I think we as a society have to get better at knowing our value and going, yeah. not just, you know, does this company want me, but do I want to work for this company? And yeah. are the things that are there on offer really realistic for me? You know, is the uh, compensation fair? Are the work hours fair? And are they going to fit with my lifestyle? Do I feel like I have opportunity for development and support? So really looking at and in the space of, when we've lost a job, if we have a bit of time to do this, this is great, but we can certainly do this when we're in the job too, to go, what are the things that I really would like out of my work day? Maybe that is more money. Maybe it's more time. Maybe it's working shorter hours. But taking a bit of time to reflect on that, because I think if we do that, one, we're going to feel 
so much better in our jobs because we can feel like it, we're actually motivated and energized being at work. And we spend so much time at work that we really should be feeling that way. Yeah. But it also is a good way to see then that discrepancy. Maybe this job isn't for me. Maybe I do need to start to look elsewhere and starting that process a little bit sooner. Uh, so knowing your worth is a really big one. And whether it's asking for a raise or asking for adjusted hours or going to an interview with a company, starting with what you want out of your workday is a really important thing. And I think something that um, yeah, most people that I talk to when it comes to employment, they've never done. They've never been taught how to decide if a company is right for them. They've always been taught how to look and appear the best possible way to be a good candidate for a company, but not the other way around. Yeah, such an important point that you've brought up. I feel like knowing your values and beliefs and setting your own standards for the type of work you want to do is so important because more often than not, we can be like, oh, we've got a job. Let's stick with this because I don't know if I'll get another job. I don't know if the job I could get after this is better. So we sort of settle and then we lower our standards and convince ourselves that this is what we deserve, which I feel like shouldn't be the case. But of course, this is also easier said than done. Um, And I feel like it does require quite a bit of confidence to be able to stand up for yourself in these moments. It does. It does. Absolutely. And I think, and I, I I completely acknowledge that this is a tough thing to do. It is. And particularly if you've never done this before, the first time you go and ask for a raise or the first time you ask for some consideration for different type of work hours, that's hard, but it's a really important practice. And like I mentioned before, sometimes we get so stuck into the worst case scenario and we go to the place of, oh, but if I ask for more money, they're just going to turn around and say, well, then we don't need you at all. Yeah. But really, is that realistic? Probably not. And I mean, probably the the worst thing that's going to happen is the company says, no, we can't offer you that at the moment. Okay, well, then you know, and you can decide, do I want to start looking elsewhere or do I want to again sit down with my manager in six months and say, hey, you know, how is it looking now? Um, and so absolutely it takes a lot of confidence, but it's it's work that is very well worth putting time into because it's going to give you a lot as a person. Obviously, it leads to better outcomes in employment for financial reasons and work-life balance. But also on the company side, you're going to have more motivated employees. You're going to have better work output if you feel happy in your job. So really, it's in the downside to them. And I think that's something we forget. We feel like we're asking too much, but actually we're probably just asking what we should be asking for. And we can bring that point to the company and say, hey, if you're willing to give me some adjustment with work hours, that means that when I'm here, I'm going to be more focused. I'm going to be more energized. And I don't see any reason why that should change my output in a negative way. Probably it will do the opposite. So it's a win-win. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I feel like if your employee is telling you that they don't need you anymore because of this suggestion that you've made, then that might just be an indication of, is this the type of place I want to work for? They're threatening me. They're telling me that they don't need me if just because I'm suggesting my wants and needs. So it could also be another great point of reflection of, is this the right job for me? Absolutely. I think if you get that response... 
massive red flag. Run away yeah. from that company as quickly as you can. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. Well, I think that's a really great note to leave today on. Red flags, avoid them 100%. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a great chat and I feel like we've talked about a really important topic and there's a lot to take from this, you know, coping with job loss, mindfulness, techniques, you know, communication with family and friends. There are so many aspects of this episode that I feel like our listeners will be really um, happy to take away from. So thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me on again. Yeah, of course. And for anyone who wants to find out a bit more about you, where can they go? Um, so at the moment, because of the way I work, uh, I, I work with some contracts, but I do have a website. So it's veronicawestpsychology.com. Um, so that, that has a little bit of a general background around me and my work and then some spaces that they can see. And I'm, of course, on LinkedIn as well. So always happy to connect with people. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And for everyone listening, we've also got Veronica's details in the description below, but we'll see you guys next time. So thanks for tuning in. You have been listening to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pr.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.